Shadow Talk. It's that time of week, listeners. It's Shadow Talk time. In this week's roundup, we've got multiple malicious uses of legitimate software in the headlines, as APT28 is attributed to hijacking Lojack, and new ransomware variant, Black Router, is delivered by the AnyDesk software. Talking of routers, there's vulnerabilities found in Jeep on home routers and now being exploited, and LokiBot exploits two remote code execution vulnerabilities in Microsoft Office. All this and a little bit more in this week's Shadow Talk. Hi, hello and welcome. I'm your host, Michael Marriott. Joining me today, good day, Harriet. Good day, Mike. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Howdy, Harrison. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Mm, very good. Okay, um, before we kick off, I'm going to start with a little bit of housekeeping because um, it's come to my attention that in previous weeks, we've had an increase in unexplained abbreviations. I am just as, as guilty as you, but we're going to be insisting on a $1 fine for each unexplained abbreviation used as in the pod. Is that, is that all understood? Dan, we'll be raking in the cash. <laughs> can, we get, can we get some better equipment with that? <laughs> now then, now then, Harrison. Now then. <laughs> anyway, lots, lots to cover on this week's pod, so let's get cracking. One common theme this week has been the use of legitimate software by threat actors to achieve their nefarious goals. Uh, we've seen this time and time again before with pieces of software that allow remote access mainly, such as TeamViewer. Um, so they're pretty attractive for this very purpose. In this case, it's, it's a different piece of software called Lojack. So first of all, because I think it's important, what is Lojack? All right, so I'll take this one, Mike. So Lojack is a software which is used to locate and remotely lock a device. So it's basically for uh, if your device gets stolen, you can then locate it and sort of do theft recovery and data wiping. Um, so because it's sort of viewed as a um, non-malicious software, a modified version, for example, can be used by threat actors uh, for various things um, without it being detected particularly easily. Got you. So they, they think it's a legitimate piece of software and that's, that's how it gets through. And have, have we seen in this week the threat actors that are using this? Who are those? Yeah, so this is quite an interesting story this week. So basically there was some reporting around um, this software being leveraged by APT28 of Fancy Bear. Um, so they've been associated with lots of different attacks, such as the Attacks Against World Anti-Doping um, Agency and Guccifer and things like that. Um, so what was found was that they had modified an element of the LoJack software, um, which that then communicated with C2 domains or command and control domains, which were associated with the group's previous activity. Yeah, and I guess it's also worth noting that infrastructure can be shared between threat groups, kind of sold and reused and recycled. So it's kind of hard to say for sure who it's attributed to. Yeah, yeah, fair point. So, so APT28 or whoever indeed it is, they've created an updated version of this software and that, that's how they managed to get it through. Um, yeah, I guess like they didn't so much modify the software binary itself. They sort of hijacked an element of it and implanted their command and control domains there um, to secure backdoor access to that software. So this software is 
pretty widely used and at the moment it's not very clear how they got onto those target machines to potentially modify the software. Um, so it could look like that they had potentially existing machine access and then modified part of the um, configuration file of the Logic software and then created a rogue server um, which used the same protocols as Logic to basically obscure that command and control element to it. Um, but yeah, there still are quite a few intelligence gaps around this campaign. So we don't know, as I just mentioned, how those files were implanted, sort of what the length of the campaign was. It looks like it was definitely over a few years, but um, kind of how active it was or the nature of the impacted entities at the moment. Right. Okay. We'll look out for those intelligence gaps and, and look to fill them. In the meantime, what can folks who may be using this software uh, and concerned about this, what can they do about it? Yeah, so the uh, Arbor Network report around this uh, released some Yarra rules as well. So um, it'd be worth checking those out to potentially implement them to have a look whether your organisation has been targeted by this type of attack. Okay, thank you, Harriet. Let's keep on this theme for now because there's been another story this week of legitimate software being used for malicious purposes. In this case, it's with ransomware. Uh, you're referring to Black Router? I am, yeah. So, so yeah, so this latest ransomware is called Black Router or Black Cart. Uh, what's interesting about this is that it was delivered alongside the remote access software AnyDesk, uh, which is a legitimate kind of software that's used. Um, I think this occurred in, this occurred in April. Uh, similar to what we just talked about, the guys, the threat actors bundled the ransomware with, with AnyDesk and in an attempt to kind of hide their malicious activity behind the you know, seemingly legitimate AnyDesk activity. Um, there's plenty that we really still don't know about this specific uh, kind of attack or this ransomware specifically, uh, including the entry vector or any targeted geographies or targeted sectors. Right, so similar to the, the APT28 story then. Mm. Now, as well as using these remote desktop tools to distribute malware and, and to get in past the AV solutions, in this case for ransomware, the tools can also be used for propagation too, right? Yeah, they have been in the past, uh, but there's really no evidence of that in this case specifically. Of course, that doesn't mean that you know we won't see something like that, that could occur kind of in the future with different uh, variants of Blackheart. All right, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn from Black Router to Hack Routers because we've got some vulnerabilities identified in GPON or GPON home routers. Uh, there are two vulnerabilities here, both of which on a similar theme allow for remote code execution, which is exactly the kind of thing you want if you're an attacker. Uh, these are CV 2018-10561 and CV 2018-10562. Yeah, vulnerabilities are always a bit of a mouthful to <laughs> explain when you have to repeat the numbers. So there are two vulnerabilities here. One is an authentication bypass vulnerability. So that's the one ending in 561. So it's relatively straightforward. It's just an app end is added to a piece of code which enables an endpoint, so it enables the router to be bypassed, the authentication on the router to be bypassed. And another flaw as well, the one ending in 562, enables an attacker to do um, privilege escalation. So yeah, so basically you need both of them together um, to execute complete control over that router. Cool, so in theory, quite a uh, 
impactful combination, the two of those. Is it still theoretical or have we seen it in action? Yeah, so this was a pretty, another kind of demonstration of how quickly um, from disclosure to a POC to exploitation it can, vulnerabilities um, go through in this sort of life cycle. So, um, yeah, the reporting was released a couple of days ago, I think, with a POC and this morning there was some news around that these vulnerabilities had been incorporated into a botnet. Um, wasn't clear exactly which one at the moment, but... Yeah, it's sort of unsurprising that a vulnerability or a pair of vulnerabilities that enable that type of control over a device and has a, quite a big impact, I think. Um, some researchers found sort of a million vulnerable devices um, are quickly picked up by threat actors. So, yeah, a pretty nice little uh, find there by those researchers. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So what, what's that, a couple of days from proof of concept to it being exploited in the wild? Yeah, definitely. I think we're seeing that you know, more and more. And I feel like it's something that we're talking about a lot, you know, just straight away, that sort of chain of um, the vulnerability being reported and PSC to literally within a day or less than 24 hours being picked up by um, threat actors. Yeah, it's interesting. That is when it becomes really interesting for an organisation, isn't it? When it's becoming exploited in the wild. So being able to detect that as soon as possible is pretty important. Right, it's time for the last story of the week, but it's by no means the least because this is a biggie. And again, we're talking about remote code execution. In this case, it's LokiBot exploiting two vulnerabilities in Microsoft Office. So first and foremost, what's LokiBot? I am partly interested in this, but mainly I just need a bit of a break from all of this vulnerability chatter. <laughs> sure. So, so LokiBot is an information stealing malware uh, that's designed to target Windows operating systems. Um, it's commonly distributed via spam messages and is often swapped out uh, by the spam distributor with other malicious payloads, sometimes including the Drydex uh, banking trojan. The malware is advertised for sale online uh, on several different hacker forums as an information stealer, including for the targeting of cryptocurrency wallets. And a lifetime license for a cracked version of the malware was advertised for an average of like 60 bucks. Uh, so because of this, this kind of means that attribution for specific campaigns can be a little difficult um, for, for LokiBot specifically. Yeah, that's, that's not a lot of money. And so the update, I guess, this week is that there's been some new vulnerabilities that are exploited. Yeah, exactly. So you only get a brief uh, repo from... From your vulnerability talk so uh <laughs> so this week cve 2017 8570 and cve 2018 are the two newly added vulnerabilities and as you mentioned they're both remote code execution vulnerabilities uh and really this strive for remote code execution isn't really too surprising uh distributors of lokibot have previously exploited CVE 2017-11882, which is another uh, remote code execution flaw and has been targeted by a variety of criminals and organized, organized threat groups um, whose activity was kind of likely driven kind of behind the release of proof of concept code in November of 2017. Um, proof of concept code was also released on GitHub for both 2017-8570 and 0802, um, the, the latter of which being kind of used recently with the form book uh, information stealing malware. So 
kind of a mouthful, but it's a, it, they've definitely been exploited recently. And, um, you know, there's kind of evidence of that out in the wild. Both of these new vulnerabilities have been seen before, uh, especially by espionage threat actors. For example, both the threat groups Keyboy and APT37 have utilized uh, 2018-0850. And as for 2017-8570, this was suspected to be used by the Indian espionage group Patchwork, um, which was used to kind of gather confidential information. Uh, so, so it kind of extends far beyond kind of just, just espionage. If you look across criminal forums, uh, it's a pretty common vulnerability being discussed and incorporated into different kits. Right. If I hear another CVE, then I think I might go insane. But it's fair <laughs> to assume that the advice here is to patch these vulnerabilities as they're gaining traction. Yes, that, that is always the advice and definitely the one here. Cool. I, I think maybe we should add in these vulnerabilities in, into the description of the podcast because... Um, Probably. Yeah, I think that's for the best. Okay, before we wrap up, uh, any other business? Yeah, so we actually saw a, an interesting um, report of an attack or a cyber incident um, in the last week. Um, so basically there were some Mexican banks that had connectivity issues with the um, interbank electronic payment system in Mexico. So at the moment, it's this not very, it's not very clear kind of what happened, whether it was an actual issue with the system itself. So what the system does is basically enable um, real-time payments between different banks. So whether that's between banking customers or between sort of the banks themselves. Um, so yeah, it's just a potentially it could be quite an interesting um, incident affecting a, a banking transfer mechanism that's not the swift network um but yeah we'll see what comes out about this um probably over the next few weeks and months yeah makes a change from from swift being targeted um there, there was a failed attempt on a mexican bank back in uh, january 2018 that targeted the swift platform so we'll be looking for further information around that i'm sure yeah for sure it's definitely an interesting one for all of the financial institutions and anyone potentially with um banking locations in mexico Okay. Right. M moving on, I guess then. Yeah. So I have, I have a cryptocurrency event that, uh, you know, well, I'm sure will entice you, Michael. I um, thought you got it all out of your system last week. <laughs> no, no. Oh no. Uh, so this week there was a new cryptocurrency mining campaign, which targeted three exploits in Microsoft, Oracle and Apache to distribute a mining malware for the Monero cryptocurrency. Um, and this was, this was basically exploiting the alleged NSA developed, um, eternal blue vulnerability, which was publicly leaked online in April of 2017. Um, and so to date, the campaign has acquired over $295,000, which is pretty good. Um, malware distributors are increasingly targeting kind of multiple exploits in order to increase their... Uh, infection rates and to make them more successful. So definitely, obviously something to keep an eye on. And I know we keep bringing up cryptocurrency, something I'm interested in and I think should be on kind of everybody's radar. Yeah, I, I've kind of got the, the tail firmly between my legs after saying, why bother? Uh, but you've given me a number there, which is which is hundreds of thousands of dollars. So It's, I, a, it's a lot of money. It is bare dollar bills. So I, I can understand a little bit more now. Right. 
So before we wrap up, let's go to each of y'all's key takeaways. Uh, starting with Harriet, what have you got? Yeah, so this week was definitely a week for the vulnerabilities. So my takeaway is around that. Um, so I guess my key takeaway for this week is around how threat intel can be really useful for helping vulnerability management. So by gaining insight into the vulnerabilities with uh, proof of concept code, which are being exploited, it can really help organizations prioritize patching. So particularly looking at um, vulnerabilities affecting assets on um, inter- that are internet facing. So yeah, that's my takeaway for the- this week. Okay, and, and a good point indeed. Harrison, what have you got for us? Yeah, so mine's kind of similar, but it is not related to cryptocurrency, which will make you happy, <laughs> Mike. Uh, so, so referring to the Loki bot stuff um, that I was talking about earlier, this incident really shows the results of public vulnerability disclosures um, and exploit development following that. So, for instance, there's been a vulnerability that you know, publicly disclosed in January, and then a few days later, there was exploit code released for it, and then now it's being incorporated into publicly sold malware, and the likely next steps will be that, you know, there will be targeted attacks with that malware exploiting those vulnerabilities. So it's kind of important from, like, a security practitioner standpoint, and, you know, like like Harriet was saying, kind of in your vulnerability management um, processes to kind of watch how these timelines unfold for, uh, you know, other vulnerabilities. Okay. Thank you very much to both of you. Thanks, Mike. No worries, Mike. Ta-ra. Okay. Thanks for listening to this week's Shadow Talk. For more information and resources, visit resources.digitalshadows.com.